Resolute Square. Our guest today on the enemies list is Brad Melter. Brad is a prolific author, and this is the 10th anniversary of a book series that I think, you, Brad, you, should, you guys should be enormously proud of. Ordinary People Change the World is a kid's book series, and you've got two new books out in the series right now. Um, I am Mr. Rogers, and I am Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I wanted to have you on the show today just to talk a little bit about this, because you know we live in a time where role models are hard to come by. And where optimism and and hope for, for especially for younger readers seems to be kind of a, a scarce resource right now. Talk to us about uh, both these two books and the series itself, and why you guys started it, and and how it's different now in your tenth year. Yeah, so you know we started this series because I had little kids, you know, who were five years old and eight years old, and I was watching them look at reality TV show stars, or even today looking at you know people who are successful business you know, men. Just because you're a successful business person doesn't make you a hero. What you have to do is think about someone beside yourself. And so we started, we were like, you know what? We're going to start with Amelia Earhart, Abraham Lincoln. We did I Am Rosa Parks. I Am Albert Einstein. My son loves sports. So we we're like, I was like, forget a millionaire overpaid athlete. Let me show you what a real sports hero looks like. I did I Am Jackie Robinson for him. And you know what's happened then, and we can talk about you know the newest ones, but What's so fascinating is if I asked, I don't care what anyone's politics are, name the biggest heroes, you're going to come where some of those first five are going to be on a lot of people's lists. But we're now 10 years into this series. And so what we see now, and, and I find, is it's almost, I think the best heroes aren't the heroes that you ask for, they're the heroes you need. They're never the heroes you want. You know, the best one, and especially, you know, I, I believe you know, having written so many books about presidents, I still believe to this day that the very best president is not the person who gives the best speech, who has the best rhetoric. It's the person who, in a moment of great disaster, absolutely can pivot and is ready for that disaster. Our greatest, you know, whether it's George Washington, whether it's Abraham Lincoln, whoever you think it is, but it's that moment where you can react. And I feel 10 years in, what we define as a hero is fascinating to me. And I think that Mr. Rogers, I am Mr. Rogers and I am Ruth Bader Ginsburg both came out of this need, at least for me, where I just felt like, my God, we, we are just not kind anymore. We're starving for kindness as a society. My kids are starving for lessons in that. So of course, I am Mr. Rogers became the one. And we can talk about him and his life and the lessons in there. And and even, you know, again, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, I'm mad. She took that, you know, she retired too early or, oh, she's too liberal. There's no politics in her book. Her, her book is not even about her being a Supreme Court justice. Right. She's got kind of a great life story. That, and that's what caught my, you know, I said she is the only person who, even if she was never 
put on the Supreme Court, she should have an I am book to herself. Because what she does since she's a little girl, you know, and, and this is, again, when she's a little girl, we think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg right now as this big, austere Supreme Court justice. But when she's a little kid grown up in Brooklyn, she just likes, you know, going on adventures. She likes playing stoop ball. She likes riding her bike, you know, climbing trees. But in the books that she's reading as a little girl, girls can't do that. Boys are the ones who go on adventures. Girls are supposed to sit around in their pretty pink dresses. And, you know, she wants to do woodworking, but they're like, girls can't do woodworking. That's not, that's not what girls do. You got to go into home economics. You got to do sewing. And it's her mother who breaks that stereotype, takes you to the library every Friday afternoon, tells you you can pick out young Ruth Bader Ginsburg, five books. You get five books every Friday. And her favorite books are real heroes. They're about Amelia Earhart. They're about Harriet Tubman. And her mother teaches her that lesson. There's absolutely nothing that girls can't do. And I want my daughter to have that lesson. I want my sons to have that lesson. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg spends the rest of her life, you know, not just fighting. We think of her as this feminist, but she fights for men's rights, too. She fights for you know, her clients are men who are being treated differently than women because they're men. They don't get the same benefits that a homemaker might get. And I love the fact that she stands for that. And, and so, you know, each of these books comes out of, I think at this point, almost like a need that I see for my own kids that I feel like is not being served in society. And the one thing I've realized, Rick, is I'm just not that special, that there are other parents and grandparents out there who are tired of looking at how we treat each other as a culture, who are tired of looking how we define justice. And, uh, and, and they come along with us for 10 years now. Every generation thinks that their kids have been, are missing something additional. I was raised by parents who read to me when I was a little kid all the time. And I got all the great books and the great stories and all that thing. And I tried to do the same with my kids, but it always feels like there's so many other dynamic pressures luring them away from stories that are meaningful and stories that are, that have a sense of purpose and optimism and that show them life lessons. Look, a, a kid reading two or three of these books is probably going to benefit a whole lot more than a kid who spends the same net amount of time scrolling through TikTok. And that's it. Listen, I'll tell you what came out. My kids, again, scroll through TikTok and Instagram, just like everyone else's kids. And it was driving me crazy. And we all just sitting there scrolling through TikTok. We're all sitting there scrolling through Instagram, scrolling on our Twitter feeds, whatever you want to, you know. But Mr. Rogers came out of my need that I was like, wait a minute. Mr. Rogers stands for the idea, you know, we're all, we got a fire hose of the news right now. We're all scrolling and scrolling as fast as we can. But Mr. Rogers is always about what? Slowing down. Just the benefits of slowing down. And I know, listen, I can't, I can't give a kid a book and say, here's an old Supreme Court justice and a real old man. Go, you know, drink up, Johnny. No kid's going to go for that. Right. <laughs> my, my daughter, I told my daughter when I started this series 10 years ago, my daughter was eight years old. I said to her, I got it. I got eight, Amelia Earhart. Isn't she amazing? I said to my daughter, I said, she flew across the Atlantic Ocean. And my daughter said to me, mm -hmm. big deal, dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic Ocean. She couldn't give a crap. You know, she was just unimpressed. Right. And then I told her, I found this true story. When Amelia Earhart was seven years old, she built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard, took a wooden crate. <laughs> she put a roller skating wheels on the bottom of the crate, shoves it to the roof of her tool shed, puts two giant pieces of wood coming diagonally down the side from the roof, gets in the crate on the roller skates, comes flying down these two by fours, crashes, totally crashes. It doesn't work at all. Um, but she says that moment, 
when her stomach bottoms out from under her, she's like, I wanted that feeling back again. And that's the first moment Amelia Earhart ever flew. She's seven years old. And my daughter is like, dad, tell me that story again. And I'm no genius. My daughter was the one who made me realize they don't care about when she's a justice. They don't care when he's a TV star. Tell the stories when these people are kids. So you see Mr. Rogers as a little boy, and I am Mr. Rogers, who's bullied. He gets picked on. Kids chase him home from school. And he's, you know, he's sick a lot, so he's made fun of. And he gets so mad. You think Mr. Rogers is some kind of perfect you know, ideal. But Mr. Rogers gets so pissed off that he sends away for one of those, um, in the back of comic books, like those things uh, that you know, kick sand in my face. And I'll get you muscles if you just order here and cut out the coupon. <laughs> right. And if you laugh at that joke, you're old, right? I mean, we're all old. Anyone who remembers that? Um, and I remember those stuff, those things. But he gets those, you know, tries to get the muscles, does the pull-ups, does all the stuff. And, of course, it does nothing. But it's his mother who she, he sees his mom and his mom says to him, listen, she, and she doesn't even say it to him. She said, I'm actually telling her wrong. She, he sees her mom um, at school, finds out that there are kids who don't have shoes. And the nurse says, listen, I got a kid here who can't afford shoes. So the mother buys a pair of shoes, sends them to the school nurse, never takes credit for it. And then the nurse says, well, I got another kid who needs a, you know, this shirt. And I got another kid who needs furniture. Mother starts sending all this stuff. Never takes a single lick of credit for it. And Mr. Rogers sees his mother doing this. And what does she realize in that moment? He realizes that she's teaching him how to be a good neighbor. And she tells him, when you're scared, when you're scared what you see in the news, when you're scared in your life, you got to look for the helpers. The famous quote we all know, right? We've all heard that. Look for the helpers. And I'm like, that's what my kids react to because they're not going to have their own TV show, my kids. But we all know what it's like to be bullied. We all know what it's like to be pissed. And we all know what it's like to want some help in this world. And how do you do it, man? You got to be, you got to change the world by changing yourself and be a good neighbor. And that is, that may sound hokey. It is not. It, I know it sounds naive, but that's an idea worth fighting for. Social media has accelerated the, the sense that parents have there's that there's some sort of like Gresham's law where bad stories drive out good. And I don't think that's true. I think good stories and good storytelling have always had a power at every generational level to to move people and to and to inspire people. Um and, and so I, I think that I think these two stories in this series are, are kind of really relevant for our time because there has been a very sharp uptick in public cruelty and in, in the sort of scorekeeping on social media of who can be the biggest asshole in, in the, in the Mr. Rogers stuff. Yeah. It's funny because it's a show that was made on television in the 1960s. And, and even today kids can sort of get it when they see Mr. Rogers still. And that's, what's crazy is that you, you, I I thought to myself, my kids aren't going to like it and they're mesmerized. When I put on a clip there, right. and these kids are used to TikTok dances, you know, like choreographed insanity that's moving a million miles an hour. But there's something universal about kindness. There's something universal about service. There's something, you know, that makes you feel good about those things. You know, I, one of the things in, in both books that they have in common, and again, I don't, I don't plan this stuff. I just find it. But it's amazing to me how, again, you got to listen to the universe. The universe presents what you need. I work on these books a year and a half to two years in advance. I have no idea when I'm doing Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I see this scene a year and a half ago that she goes by a, a motel when she's a little girl 
and she sees a sign that says, um, no dogs, no Jews. And it's the first time she sees anti-Semitism face forward right there. I have no idea a year and a half later where we're going to be in society, what's happened in Israel, where we are as a culture. I don't know that that's now the most important page in this book. And I say in the book that what, what she sees that day is that hatred is a tear in society. And her mother teaches her, you have to repair those tears. They're going to be there. So on her birthday, to teach her how to do it, because there's one thing we all know that's bad, but how do you teach your kids? And she doesn't say, go be a good person. That doesn't work. Anyone who's a parent knows that. What she does is she takes young Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and this is when she's a little kid, 10 years old. She takes her every birthday, instead of throwing a birthday party, she takes her to the local Jewish orphanage. And instead of having a birthday party for Ruth, they give away and have an ice cream party for all the orphans, just giving away ice cream. And she learns there tikkun olam. She learns how to repair the world. That's, I was just going to say that's right. Very... You, you you repair the world. Yeah, that's what you have to do. And and Mister Rogers learns, you know, again from his mom um, how to be a good person. You know, he, she sees from his from his grandparents. His grandfather always used to tell him, "I like you just the way you are." Not not that you're special. Not that you're selected. Not that you're any of that nonsense we give our kids these days. Just I like you. And he says, there's nothing more powerful than love. And I do believe to this day that you know, we, we're all far more jaded than we've ever been. We are far more like we want to fight. We're rolling up our sleeves, and myself included. You know, I, I know, I'm sure there are some people listening to this saying, oh, what a nice guy. Like, I get just as pissed off, right? Yeah, look, I'm a notorious scrapper. I mean, I, I get it. When I see a, a member of the military come home and see their kid, melt me right there. I am d- undone right there. I, you know, I put on my, my Twitter feed last year, my Instagram feed. It was a moment where the Harlem Globetrotters welcomed up a member of the troops to come home. I was like, those are two of the things I love the most on this planet, the Harlem Globetrotters and troop reunions. It was one of the most popular things I ever put on the internet. And I know it shows me where I'm not alone. And we can either be pissed off at the whole world and fight every day or continue the fights for what's important. Certainly Ruth Bader Ginsburg does, certainly Mr. Rogers does. But at the same time, you know, open your heart a little and try and make the world a better place. Because if, if we're just tearing everything down, which is what our problem is right now in the world, right? We're tearing everything down, everything. But if we don't rebuild and teach our kids how to rebuild, we're all going to be standing in just you know, nothing but sand and madness and flames. The younger you are, I think the more an example matters. The, the younger you are, the, I think the more that a, an exemplar matters. So these two books are the ones that are out now. Talk, tell us a little bit about some of the previous versions uh, or the previous editions that you guys have put out. Yeah. So, I mean, I told you the first five and we did My Daughter Loves Our Dog. So I said, here's Jane Goodall. You want to see what you can do with your love of science, your love of animals? Mm-hmm. Here's Lucille Ball, because I was tired of my daughter looking at people who were just famous for being thin and pretty. But something amazing happened in the 2016 election. Two of our books started selling more than any others. And they were, I am Martin Luther King Jr. And I am George Washington. And I noticed that it was exactly at the time when Hillary and Donald Trump were screaming at each other every day on TV. They're both yelling at each other. And it wasn't, when those books started selling, it wasn't a Democrat or Republican thing. It was that parents and grandparents on both sides were tired of turning on the TV and seeing politicians. And what they wanted to show their kids were leaders. And we all know that a politician is very different than being a leader. 
And we sold, you know, our, our I Am Martin Luther King Jr. book, our I Am George Washington book, those books sell and have sold for 10 years. And I believe it's not because, you know, there are a million books that have been written about these people. These are great men in our society. Sure. Rosa Parks, same thing. Um, our same thing we did, uh, you know, we've done Frida Kahlo. We've done, you know, all these different people. Walt Disney, Jim, Jim Henson is one of my favorites we've done. Muhammad Ali and Malala teaching you how to fight back. I mean, when I saw, and, and what's fascinating is, is each time we did John Lewis, you can see that there are people who are fighting back with these books, building libraries of real heroes for their kids, their grandkids, their nieces and nephews. We've got 7 million books in print. That's fantastic. And it shows me that there are so many parents out there who are like enough with this nonsense. And, and, and we do it every time in reactions to stuff. We know when, when, when I saw that Muslims were being targeted, I was like, we're doing Muhammad right. Ali. We're doing Muhammad Ali, and we're going to show people how you fight for justice. This is what you're going to learn. Um, and, and each time we do one of these books, the only thing I learn is when, when I look now 10 years in, 32 books in, the one thing all these heroes have in common is, one, they're doing what they love. It's their passion. And Jane Goodall loves animals, and she's doing it for that. Muhammad Ali does it through boxing. You know, Benjamin Franklin does it through creating himself as a better person when we did Ben Franklin. You know, how do you improve yourself? How do you improve the world? You improve yourself. But they're passionate about whatever that thing is that moves them. Or Malala, you know, about education, whatever, you know, Jim Henson for puppets. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Mr. Rogers, of course, for theirs. And the other thing is, is these are completely diverse people, but they all have that thing in common. And that's reassuring to me. That That's awesome to me, right? Is like we can be from all these different places, all these different backgrounds, all these different skin colors, uh, you know, different demographics, you know, rich, poor, everything. And Mr. Rogers was actually super wealthy. Ruth Bader Ginsburg grew up poor in Brooklyn, but they all have this thing of going for their passion. And, and, and the key other thing they all have in common is they help someone. They all help someone beside themselves. The people we're focused on today in our society, right? Whether it's on Twitter or having your own rocket ship or any of that nonsense is people who are focused on themselves. And if you said to me, I could have one thing that I could teach my kids, it's man, make it beside yourself. That's how you be a good human being. And I can't change the minds of adults anymore, but I've armed an army. I got 7 million kids now on my side. I'll take that any day. I can't change the world with it, but I'm going to try. God bless. Well, Brad Meltzer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Folks, um, the books are in this series, Ordinary People Change the World. It's a great kids' book series. The new books that are out now are I Am Mr. Rogers and I Am Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And folks, in a time where we need some role models, Brad has 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 put some stuff out there in this series that I think is incredibly valuable. And I uh, hope you'll go ahead and order I Am Mr. Rogers and I Am Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Because you know what, folks? We talk about a lot of books on this show. We talk about a lot of 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 weighty ideas and crises and terrible things that are burdening the, 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 our culture and our politics. And once in a while, it's good to look at something with some uplift and it's good to look at something you can say to your kids, Hey, this will help you. And this is good for you. So thanks again, Brad. I appreciate you coming on brother as always. And uh, best of luck with this. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Can't wait, brother. Rick. Thank you so much. Hey, on today's enemies list, there are a bunch of anonymous Biden campaign staffers who decided they wanted to get their get their yips out by sending a letter to Politico condemning 
the president they're working for on his position on Israel. Guys, if you're in the campaign, I don't give a red hot shit what your position is on Israel versus Hamas. I don't give a single flying fuck. If you are out there betraying the man who is standing almost alone in this system against Donald Trump and and, and a fascist movement that's coming our way at a million miles an hour, if you're out there sending anonymous pissed off letters to, to Politico, quit. Just fucking quit. Leave the campaign and go do something else that salves your delicate conscience. This is outrageous. It is unbelievable. It is infuriating, and it shows you don't understand the threat you face. You shouldn't be on the campaign if you're going to do something like this. It's absolutely outrageous, and you are all on the enemies list. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. <laughs>